Hello, you're listening to Artspin on Sination with myself, Kristen, today, and I'm very happy to be joined on the phone by Adina Jacobs, who's um, the director and one of the co-creators uh, of um, Book of Exodus Part 2, which is about to be playing at Theatreworks. How are you today, Adina? Thanks so much for joining us. I'm very good. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, so I suppose, can you just give us a quick wrap-up of um, Book of Exodus Part 1 and where that left off and uh, where um, Part 2 will be picking up from? Yeah, sure. Um, this work is structured in two parts. Um, part 1 we premiered in June at Theatre Works and Part 2 will be on in October. Um, it's a non-narrative work. It's not It's not a sequel in that, you know, we didn't sort of start a story in Part 1 that we continue in Part 2. Basically, they're kind of two different ways of looking at the biblical book of Exodus. So the first part um, featured a cast of two young performers aged 8 to 12, um, and it was a kind of poetic um, meditation in which we, we watched these two young children wade through a landscape, excavate objects and symbols, and try to um, recall or resurrect a history that they couldn't remember. Um, and so it was inspired by the kind of, you know, the main images and themes from um, the biblical source, but it also um, hopefully resonated in a, you know, a whole lot of other ways, you know, and, and was an exploration of memory and the, the burden of memory and inheritance of, of um, histories of trauma and violence. So it was quite a serious work with these two young, young children. Um, and part two... Uh, is quite different. It features a cast of 16 young people, so it's a much more uh, like large-scale anarchic work, and it's inspired by the um, the image in the Exodus where um, the children of Israel are waiting in the desert for the law, and they build a golden calf. So it's, you know, kind of looking at that part of the story. Right, um, and is it still the same age range as well for the 16 cast members of Part Two? Yeah, they are. So they're um, aged eight to 12. Okay, wow. And um, I've heard that there's no script as such for. For part two, it was um, a collaboratively sort of devised work. Could you tell us about yeah how, how this work was devised? Yeah, I mean, with Fred Outfit, my company, we've been making works over a series of years, um, which are devised. Um, in the past few years, we've been working with young people to make these these shows for adult audiences, and they're really just made through long form improvisations or tasks that we set. Um, for the performers, and so with them, we're we're generating lots and lots of material. So the adult creative team will be, um, you know, composing and sculpting this work and um, instigating these these tasks and ideas. But the the material is coming largely from the young people, and then we we shape it with them. Oh wow! So um, obviously there are some differences of working with um an adult cast and a eight to twelve year old cast. But um, like, yeah. were there any sort of surprising, like similarities? I suppose really, or, or or things that you know weren't as different as you expected. Um, that is a very good question. I mean, it's, in some ways it's very similar. You know, you're kind of trying to get to the, the heart of a of material and you're trying to make the most exciting and most radical work you can possibly make. And you're sort of doing that with young people or, or people who are more experienced. Is In some way, the project is the same for the artists. But I guess what's really different about a lot of these performers is that they've never performed before. Some of them, you know, have had some experience, but... A lot of them have just said, oh, I'm, I'm really interested in, in doing this thing, and I'm not sure that they necessarily had a sense of what that might be. And so there's a kind of sense of newness and openness and just wanting to be part of a like an experience that is, is really different, whereas an adult cast comes often with an expectation that this is their profession or, you know, that they're, they're coming at it with a really different set of desires, whereas with young people it's kind of just a desire to participate. But at the same time, you know, we're still we are creating a work for adults um, and over the years have created works that have been in festival contexts, and so we're still trying to create. The work is hopefully, you know, sophisticated and it's um, 
kind of speaking to kind of quite um, complex ideas. But um, yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a mix. I mean, the, the kind it's a much more chaotic room on a lunch break. I have to say, <laughs> with young kids than adults, it's different. Well, um, but yeah, I, I, because like you, you are all working together. It's you can't exactly you know I, I guess like make a craft a sort of totally uh, age-tailored experience for, you know, say even just like the eight-year-olds versus the 11-year-olds. Um, yeah, it's really yeah. different. Mm. Yeah, but if you found for the you know, relatively younger kids, as in younger even within that sort of eight, eight to 12-year-old age range, they've, um, I'm sure it's been beneficial for them to, you know, to be sort of um, exposed to something a bit more mature than they're used to getting at school, say, for their age group. Um, and to be yeah, I think so. Yeah. And the other way around, the older oh, yeah. kids as well, who are sort of you know on that cusp of of teenagehood, and actually it is kind of a relief to get to be in a more childlike environment as well. It's like mm. a, it's a relief, like in, in some ways. But I think, I mean, generally, I think we underestimate kids so much, or or we sort of you know, their size, um, you know, belies the fact that they they can have this really interesting response to something like you know the Bible and, and ideas around power and violence, all these kind of, you know, quite complex things and, you know, and they absolutely just they just do it in their own way which is fairly impulsive and um, and sort of um, immediate, but it's, yeah they're really fantastic mm. Yeah, they do it in, um, in their own way, but they still do it just in a in, in the way that you're not used to seeing in adults I suppose, maybe that's why adults can't really recognise it as, as easily no, exactly. So we often think that there's something about, you know, seeing children on stage, which is so familiar and so alien at the same time, because we're so kind of, um, obviously we all were children, but we're kind of distant from that experience. And so we can kind of see things in a really different way when it's presented by kids. Mm. So what, um, I guess without giving too much away, but what are some of the responses that they had to the this biblical stimulus that you've given them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, really most of the responses are, you know, on the floor and their movement and image base rather than, than conversational. But we have mm. had some interesting conversations about, you know, about the piece. And um, I think it's it's mainly, their responses mainly have to do with this idea that the kids have been left alone, that um, Moses has gone up the mountain and God has, in a way, left them at this point in the story. And there are this group of kids who are um, by themselves. Um, and what does a group of kids do when they are by themselves? And what are they looking for? And how do they create a new leader or new substitutes and, you know, what does that mean? And this idea of the golden calf as an expression of their desires or a kind of substitute for the parent that has, you know, gone sort of temporarily um, or someone or a watchful eye, you know, what would that what would that be? And so that's, those are the sort of things that they seem to be really interested in, are the questions, which are it's kind of translating, you know, these fairly large-scale ideas into their own experience, which is God and his children as, you know, parent's child in some way, which psychologically feels really interesting to us as well. Mm. Yeah, because I suppose, yeah, like seeing God as kind of the parent in, in, in a way, like the way humans, adult and, and children, organize themselves is a little bit like that, you know, with the absence of God being physically present. Um, you know, how, how do human beings, how do, the ch- how do the children organize themselves and choose their leaders? Exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. We're not doing a very good job. So I think it feels like, you know, hopefully the show in some way, or it's not, you know, or, you know, we're not doing a very good job, and also there's a kind of, there's a sense that we are playing out you know, something that has been going on for a very long time through the generations where we sort of, where we need a leader, we kind of desire somebody to be watching over us and taking care of us, but there is this kind of crisis 
where that's concerned, I think. And uh, in a way, the show hopefully kind of speaks to those sorts of ideas. So on the one hand, we see a, a bunch of children who have been left alone on the stage, you know, without an adult presence. And on the other hand, hopefully, as an adult audience, it's speaking to those, yeah, those kind of ideas of how do we, how on earth do we, do we organize ourselves and how do we um, kind of get out of this sort of loop that we seem to be in. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. Like, a, a group of kids have been left alone on this stage because I suppose that uh, the other thought that adults jump to when they see a large group of children, you know, without an adult present is, well, where is the adult? You know, where where, where are yeah. their parents? <laughs> or where is the at least, you know, one chaperone in there? That's Yeah, you know, where's the director? Yeah. <laughs> they left them to their own devices on this stage. Um, yeah. That's what I thought was really interesting about having just the two kids on stage because you, you did feel like an adult was about to enter at any time, so surely this yeah. stage is not being given over to an <laughs> eight and an eleven year old for an hour and not speaking either, you know, it's kind of they're just sort of performing these actions, these rituals or, you know, they were filming each other and, and there's something uneasy or uncanny about it because we're not used to seeing kids kind of unmediated by an adult presence. Um, and it's kind of different again with with the whole group. They feel much more powerful. You know, whereas the gaze was much more vulnerable, I suppose, in part one, this feels like, you know, there, there is a kind of inherent power in, in the mass. Mm. Yeah, and, well, yeah, I, I guess, like, the stage equivalent of the, you know, where is the other would be, you know, where is, surely there's at least one kind of uh, adult member of this cast who's, like, towering above all the little kids who's, like, exactly. anchoring it? Because that's what people are used to seeing. I know, and, and it's so... Um, you know, it, it is really, it would change the dynamic so much, I think, to have to have an adult on stage, you know, in any which way. It's it's a completely different thing. Mm. Yeah, and so um, it, it, does part two, is, is it similar to part one in that um, there, there's hardly any dialogue? It's mostly movement? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, right. That's interesting. Yeah, very similar. So it's, um, there's a kind of vocal component in this one, which, you know, there wasn't in part one of one kind of blanched a monologue in part one, um, but there's a kind of vocal component. No, but it's it's also it's more of a kind of image based or sort of movement based um, work, and it's very iconographic. You know, and that we're sort of drawing from some of these ancient symbols and contemporary symbols as well, um, and kind of using them to communicate. Um, you know, in in ways that hopefully kind of bypass language in some ways. You know, there's really there's really uh, hasn't been much language in our in the past few works of ours at all. Oh, right. I guess. Well, I guess in a way, it's really a, a different sort of language using symbols. Well, yeah, vi- um, visual symbols rather than, um, well, yeah, philosophically, like articulatory kind of symbols is what language is. Um, but yeah, it's it's a different sort of cultural language, I suppose. And it's interesting. You've you said you've used the mixture of um, ancient and contemporary uh, symbols as well. Yeah, I guess, I guess again without without giving too much way, which which be which would be a shame. What what sort of like contemporary symbols have you selected to use in this piece? Um, we have we did a show called The Backlight a few years ago where we had a lot of kind of pop cultural symbols and then ancient sort of iconography. This is quite different. I think sort of contemporary symbols are more to do with um, probably in in some way, hopefully in a kind of subtle way, kind of images of war in some way or icons that conjure. Um, a kind of contemporary world in crisis. Try not to give too much away. Um, and the ancient um, symbols feel quite connected to the, you know, to the original text. But I, I think it is. I think it is a language unto itself. And I, I hope. I mean, I know, you know often this work I mean, is, is quite experimental. And I think often think, you know, kind of um, seeing that kind of work sort of alienating or something. But I actually think, hopefully, at its um, strongest, it can be much more um, accessible to a wide range of people because. You're kind of communicating on a, a more um, 
sort of like primal level or, or a level which is um, about kind of images and feelings and sensations that we that are familiar to us in some way, and they're just sort of repurposed into a kind of you know into a new um, order of some kind. So hopefully, yeah, it's sort of it can kind of speak to you on a on a sort of more um, yeah unconscious level, or or um, and also you know children in relation to these sort of images and. and kind of icons and symbols as well also just calls up really interesting questions about knowledge and, and children and, and how much um, they understand these symbols and images and, and how it resonates for them versus how it resonates for us. So there's a whole kind of other, you know, sort of set of things going on there as well. I, I, and I think it kind of, if you touched on a really interesting thing about kind of this, like the capacity to articulate, and like, I guess, you know, just thinking of this massive children in the desert, let's say, you know, before they've received the law, like even on a kind of metaphoric level, it's a group of people who doesn't have language yet, or they don't have codes, they don't have, you know, they're sort of before, they're in a state which is before language on some level, so it's, I can't, we've kind of um, taken from that that kind of idea. It all sounds sort of very abstract, but hopefully in the, hopefully in the, in the watching of it, it, it makes sense. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's 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 one thing to be just telling somebody about it. It's, it's quite another to actually go and, and see the show. And see it, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, I'd, I'm also, I'd also just be very, I imagine it'd be, it'd be a very interesting thing to, um, just kind of comparing, like, generationally to um, these, like, their responses and, I guess, like, their familiarity, familiarity um, just even with the Bible, given, you know, generations ago uh, com- compared to now. It's not as sort of like an all-encompassing like there's fewer schools that you can just expect will teach christian religious education and the bible and you know obviously like the education system now in australia is focusing less on you know teaching them passages and recitations and such so yeah it's it's um it's a different different sort of education really that that, yeah it's a kind of yeah it is it's a mixed bag although the kind of the kids themselves come from a really diverse range of um, backgrounds, kind of religious backgrounds and ethnic backgrounds, and um, educationally have really quite different experiences. So they're coming at it with a really, um, yeah, a diverse range of knowledge. As does the adult creative team, actually. So it's mm. it's sort of on the one hand it's generational, but I think it's also I think it's also cultural and, and about the mix. And it's yeah, these are really interesting. It's an interesting thing because it's big decisions that we need to make about how to pitch this work we come uh, Aaron Orzek and I are the co-creators come from a Jewish background and so we're approaching the work through that perspective um, at the same time we're really wanting the work to be to sort of have a humanistic approach and also to be you know accessible to a wide range of people so it's, you know lots of decisions about how to frame these ideas and these symbols so that it can be readable to a wide range of people whether you, you know you know if you know the text really well then you, you'll be projecting a whole lot of things onto it and if you don't then it's you can experience it, you know, in a whole kind of different kind of way. Um, and it's with the kids themselves, you know, within the work, have a similar experience of that as well. But it's a very tricky thing to sort of navigate how we, yeah, how all of that is framed. Mm. Yeah, part of the exciting challenge of it, I'm sure. Yeah, just all, all the sort of variables you're working with and, um, yeah, just how, well, with the cast that size as well, 16 compared to two, definitely changes things, I'm sure. It so. does. <laughs> There's a lot more wrangling. <laughs> Even yeah. just on that level, yeah. Oh, I guess yeah. wrangling in both senses, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, wrang- wrangling of, um, for a director, just, yeah, of ideas and of input and, and also just yeah. getting everybody in the one spot. And just just sheer be- wrangling, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, thanks so much for chatting with me today, Adina. Were there any last things you wanted to say about, um, about the show, part one or part two? No, not really, just, 
hope you all come. And um, yeah, it's just that it's on at Theatre Works uh, starting on the pre- preview on the 18th, we open on the 19th, and we close on the 29th. Oh, nice. So yeah, right. hope that you all come. <laughs> and thank you so much for the chat as well. Oh, wonderful the chat. Yeah, thank, thanks so much for, for joining me. Um, and so, yeah, if people want to, for more information, you can head to theatreworks.org.au and um, the address the uh, address of the theatre is 14 Ackland Street, St Kilda. So, yeah, um, thanks so much. It's been so much fun and uh, can't wait to see the Sorry. show as well. Oh, thanks so much.